Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So two, 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 yes, a trio of twos of Talking Child Podcast. I am your host. It is Monday evening. My name is Brad Roland. Eric Eric Cole is joining me, and uh, it's not been that long since we had a podcast, but uh, we are basically getting into season mode at this point in time. Uh, we're going to try to do, obviously, a little bit more frequently. I did appreciate some of the people reaching out to us, thanking us for kind of keeping the podcast going the whole off-season, or the extended off-season, and we, I did appreciate the kind words, but uh, we are back, and probably more frequently now, so here we are, and Eric, thanks for joining me. Not a problem, man. You know, I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about actual baseball stuff, and like real like baseball decisions, and, kind of, and it's also like, this is a very weird sort of preseason type situation, so I'm kind of interested to talk through it. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's Monday as we record this. It's June 29th. Guys will be reporting to camp in the next, you know, day and a half or so. And uh, it's getting real by the day uh, as a result of that. Uh, obviously, COVID-19 still is out there. We won't spend time litigating that, but uh, it's, it's still threatening the season. Nothing's changed on that front, but uh, here we are talking baseball. Um, before we get into most of the podcast, is going to be breaking down the 60-man player pool that the Braves announced on Sunday. Before we get to that, though, there was our first sort of rash of players opting out of the season, essentially. No Braves just yet, but uh, Diamondbacks right-hander Mike Leak was the first player that was reported on Monday to be opting out, giving up a lot of money, honestly. He was owed $15 million, $15 million this year. Of course, that's before the proration, but still giving up some, con- some considerable money to sit out. 
and uh, he'll be a free agent after this. And then a couple of Nationals players, which Braves fans will be uh, attuned with, Joe Ross and Ryan Zimmerman, are going to be sitting out the season. Uh, I saw a couple of people make the joke that maybe the Nats are better off without those guys. Um, but yeah, still that's actually, that was my first thought. I'm like, no Ryan Zimmerman? I mean, do we really want them replacing him with somebody? Yeah, and Joe Ross has been up and down as well. Like, it is possible that the Nats didn't get any worse today. But uh, two guys who are recognizable names, especially Zimmerman, who's like Mr. National, uh, sitting out the season, and he released a statement and all that. There's going to be more of these. I have no idea about the Braves. Some people were asking us about Adam Duvall after the last podcast. Uh, I know nothing about that. Uh, I know he has diabetes. We mentioned that in passing. Um, I've heard nothing about him sitting out or anybody else, but that could change in a hurry. So we don't really know right now, but I wanted to at least tee up the fact that uh, the announcements are now coming across the league. Yeah, I know that AA like did a media availability like shortly after the season was announced, and it seemed like he made a, a statement along the lines of that he didn't expect that he was going to have any players sitting out for the season, and it the the statement made it sound like he had been in touch with everybody, so that wasn't like anyone had announced any plans. Obviously, those things can change, especially since the like the pandemic situation is an ever evolving like you know an increasingly bad situation in some places, so. You know, maybe that these these facts can change, but for the most part, I mean, I I, I don't anticipate Duvall's the big question. I don't anticipate any other major players being possibly affected by this. I am curious how many players like league wide are going to end up sitting out though. So I think that there's going to be a few more than people think. Yeah, I mean, there were three that broke within about an hour this afternoon. Granted, we're getting closer to the sort of faux deadline that if people weren't going to play, they probably need to tell their teams pretty soon. So I'm not sure how many they're going to be, but we already know of three and that's just the prominent guys. I'm sure there will be a couple of you know minor leaguers and stuff like that that we don't know that much about. They're sitting out and uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. If uh, the Braves have anybody that decides to sit out, I will not fault that guy at all. Uh, I'll say that right now. I have no nope, towards anybody that sits out. Um, I totally get it um, from every standpoint possible. And uh, we'll go from there if we, if the Braves end up having news on that front. Um, so yeah, the real, the real news in the last few days was the announcement of the 60 man player pool for the Braves. In fact, they announced 56 players. Um, and there's a strategy to that that we'll touch on in a second, but 56 players, 17 of which are not on the 40 man roster at this moment in time. And, uh, in advance of the announcement, they placed Jeremy Walker, the reliever on the 45 day, uh, the 45 day DL or IL that's uh, formerly the 60 day DL. So basically he's now going to miss the season, probably uh, right shoulder impingement for Walker. Uh, he was on the 40 man. So that opens, opens up the spot potentially. And, uh, he just turned 25. Still has some juice. You know more about him than I do, but uh, that's not nothing. Like Walker could have been useful this year, so we'll stop there. Do you have any takes on Jeremy Walker being probably out for the season? I'm pretty bummed. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how retroactive like his placement's going to be, and like you know if there's any chance at all that he could be back. But I mean, considering that he really turned himself into an actual prospect last season and had put together a really good season to make it to the major leagues, um, I, I'm. I'm sad for him. Like, you know, it, it stinks when a guy finally like turns a corner like that, you know, really kind of shows out and then has an injury like this. Obviously the situation this year is a little bit different. Um, and maybe that, you know, they, you know, this might just be a combination roster move slash, you know, maybe he could have been on the 15 day DL in some other situations, but given the situation with the roster, the rosters are in this year and the compressed schedule that maybe it was just better just to, you know, put it on 45 day already. I'm just bummed. Like I'm, I'm bummed for Jeremy again as a guy that you know was kind of a non-factor for us going into the 2019 season, just because kind of another arm. 
uh, and then really kind of showed out as a reliever and was starting to build himself back up in terms of prospect juice. But, you know, again, it's just, I'm, I'm more sad for him. But in terms of, like, overall impact on the on the roster, I mean, he wasn't going to be, you know, in competition for a, ro- a rotation spot. And a coming out of spring training spot in the, rota- in the bullpen was going to be tough because the Braves kind of find themselves surprisingly loaded there. Yeah, I don't think the uh, fallout will be that significant, but it would have been useful to have another arm and uh, obviously a lot of variables in play with the taxi, taxi squad and potential for COVID and injuries, and uh, you want to have as many arms as possible. So that's something to consider, but that was the only piece of real news that hit before the announcement came to light. Uh, we'll spend very little time on the guys who we all talk about all the time on this podcast. So obviously the the major players are on the 60-man player pool. No surprise there. Um, yep, yep. Ronald Acuna made the cut. Yeah, Ronnie is on there, Ozzy's on there, Freddie's on there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I want to break it down into some like sort of categories here that we're going to briefly discuss. And obviously, young guys, you know more about than I do, but there are a bunch of non-roster veterans that are on this list, a couple of which we, we, knew, we knew definitely were going to be there. Um, Felix Hernandez, Charlie Culberson, uh, Josh Tomlin, those guys are around. You have Yonder Alonso, you have Peter O'Brien, who's been sort of a darling on the internet that I've seen recently as a potential DH guy, uh, Tyler Matzik. Chris Rusin, Pete Cosma, old friend of the program, Pete Cosma, and uh, Jan Gervis Salarte. Um, all those guys are around. That does not mean they're going to be on the team. And obviously, um, you know, Felix is someone who everyone is assuming is going to be on the opening day 30-man roster. But uh, do you have any any thoughts on the non-roster vets? And uh, they're obviously incentivized to have a bunch of available options for insurance. But it's kind of an interesting group, to be sure. Yeah, I wasn't... To be honest, like I wasn't like completely sold that Felix was just a given when I've kind of first was first thinking about all these when like the roster considerations and the season was announced because again I assumed that like Hamels was going to be healthy and then but the more the Braves talk about you know piggybacking starters and all this other stuff it makes like all the sense in the world like it's a you, you at least give Felix a shot it's a, he's you're not paying him basically anything um, he, he's a guy that you know can feasibly you know could eat some innings. Obviously, was one of the better pitchers in the entire league, you know, a few years ago. Maybe over a compressed schedule, he turns into, you know, kind of be able to find that fountain of youth a little bit. Beyond that, I mean, I want to just see what's going on with this this training camp and kind of see what some of these guys look like. You know, Peter O'Brien was showing some power in, in spring training when the first go around. But, you know, and then you have Yonder Alonso. I just, well, a lot of these non-roster vets, I feel like they're just going to end up being on the taxi squad. But they're insurance. I mean, it's, it's yeah, pinch yeah. insurance. Like Peter O'Brien's 29 years old. He's not a spring chicken. No, he's not. But at the same at, at the same time, like he might be useful, especially in a situation where you have a DH. You could do worse than that. Um, you know, there, there's at least the theory behind. I think all of these guys, the pitchers are a little bit different with uh, Matzik, who they liked apparently in spring. But Yonder Alonso has not been very good for a while, but he, he's been a major leaguer in the past. Solarte plays a lot of different positions. Uh, Pete Cosma. I don't think it's going to help you much, but same thing. He could kind of play everywhere if you had to. You know, most of these guys are not going to make the team, even the 30-man expanded roster. I think we can assume Felix and Culberson will, will make the 30-man, um, maybe Tomlin, and then maybe like one more guy of this group. I could be wrong. I haven't done, I haven't done the full math, but uh, that's kind yeah, of what I'm assuming. I'll, I think that might be where the list stops, just just because they have the Braves have so many outfielders that are already yep. on the – you know what I mean? Like they, they just, Their bench is already kind of a tough thing to crack, and getting these guys to actually – be on that active roster is going to be really, really tricky. Of course, um, we, I mean, we're assuming that there's no injuries and no COVID. Sure. <laughs> which is the reason why that, they, that, these that, rosters that, are so yeah, big. That, is, that, is yeah, that. That, that changes everything. Yes, if there's an outbreak of COVID on the team or if a bunch of guys get hurt, then sure. 
I mean, like we could be seeing Peter O'Brien, you know, starting at first base and all kinds of other stuff. You know, that requires a few other things to go wrong. But we're just not going to try to wish that evil on this particular program. So, no, you know, we're for, not. Yep. You, know, you know, in a vacuum, you know, these are the, a lot of these guys are going to be guys that you would normally be stashing at AAA, uh, in the hopes that you don't have to use them. For sure, and uh, we'll see how they handle that. Um, from there, you have this group of you know high-profile young players, which is much more in your wheelhouse. Um, Christian Pache is already on the 40-man, so he was always going to be there. Uh, but then after that, you have Drew Waters, you have Ian Anderson, you have Braden Shoemake, Shailene Lears, Kyle Muller, and uh, Schuster's on there as well, which we kind of assumed that the first-round pick from this year was going to make the cut. Um, no surprises there for me. Anybody surprising to you there? I think that's like a baseball-wide trend where it just makes too much sense to have your top, top guys uh, – available just so they're getting work more than anything yeah i'm right now and that's what it's as long as like those guys had some time either like for in schuster's case is like a college guys of the in that certain age bracket or has a certain amount of time in the minor leagues like they were kind of included on these lists like for example the yankees have jason dominguez who's a fantastic prospect but he's also very young they weren't gonna and so there's basically no chance of him ever seeing time you know, in the major leagues and they decide not to put him on their, on their 60 man roster. So I think it was a combination of like age and a certain amount of seasoning that was required for most guys to get on. it. I was a little bit, I was a little bit surprised that Trey Harris wasn't included, but yep. they only included, they only included one other outfielder that wasn't on the 40 man roster. And that was drew waters, which was, which was not a surprise at all. Um, let's, and, uh, let's, let's take a detour right now and talk about Harris because the, he was the, he was by far the number one name that people were surprised was not there. I heard a little bit of Grayson Janista as well was probably the other guy. Um, I have to say and point out, I know you know this, but so people know the Braves are probably intentionally leaving some spots open because once you have a guy on here, you can't remove him and then bring him back. So they're going to probably be a little bit loose and keep four spots open. It would not surprise me at all if Trey Harris is on this is on the player pool in the very near future. But he was the one that everybody was asking about, so I wanted to make sure that we talked about him. And uh, I guess Janista was on there too. But is there anybody else that was like shocking to you? No, not really. I mean, again, that that roster flexibility when because you don't want to have to expose a guy unnecessarily to like this weird waiver situation. Yep. Um, and so you're basically putting guys on your pool right now that you're for sure either you don't care if you end up having to exp- like move remove them from your roster if they end up getting exposed and being taken by someone you're not upset about it. Or they're guys that you're not going to remove. Period. Um, and I think there's far more of the latter than the than the former. So I think was I that surprised? No. Once I start looking in and you start thinking about how many outfielders the Braves have, like I think that's another reason why Jesse Franklin wasn't included on this particular player pool because my, that's a college my son, bat. <laughs> my son, my son yeah, Jesse was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I will not stand for this. Uh, I am I'm enraged by this. No, I'm kidding. He could be there though. I mean. He, Again, he, like, the flexibility aspect, some... they could keep these guys in the, in the next couple of weeks. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and Justin Dean's another guy that I would have probably put, like, I would have been considering just because if you're looking for a guy with, like, crazy speed who could be that extra inning pinch runner type uh, at the at the very at the very least in a, in a pinch, like, that's a guy that would be really good for that, that spot. But, again, you want that flexibility, and maybe that changes down the road. I don't think that all these guys that are on this list right now are going to be on the 60-man roster for the entirety of the year. It's just not going to happen. No. So, I, you know, for right now, this is just what the, the Braves are starting with. And I could see Trey Harris. I could see Justin Dean. I could see uh, I could see Grayson Janista, but honestly, he's a little bit further down the list because I also don't think he's played particularly well. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and again, 
the the thing that I got yelled at the most was like, why are the Braves carrying so many catchers, and do they, you know, yeah. think that, you know, <laughs> do, that do they now. think John, do, do do they think that Jonathan Morales and Logan Brown are are really good catching prospects? Uh, a couple things. One, I actually think those guys are, are are really talented, but more importantly, when you're carrying this many arms, you gotta have people actually throw these two in terms of like bullpens and you know and the taxi squad. So they want to make sure they have enough catchers to you know cover all their bases at the major and minor leagues because that that's the one place that. You know, you can't just throw in or like, you know, if your left fielder gets hurt, you can kind of make something happen with a guy that you know, at least knows how to catch and throw a ball. But there's not that many guys that know how to play catcher. So if you're going to like kind of really stack up on a, at a position, it's probably going to be a catcher, especially when you're trying to get all these guys reps and getting them stretched out and keeping them rested and, and keeping them on a good rotation, you know, during their taxi squad season. So, I, again, it was one of those things when I first looked at it, I'm like, why are all these catchers being carried? But then you start thinking about it and you think about all the arms that they're carrying, too. It makes a lot of sense. Right. I mean, the simple math of it is, uh, like you said, for one thing, if you get a rash of injuries or COVID at catcher, that's a spot you can't afford to not have someone that can receive. Like, you have to be able to have someone who can catch a major league pitcher. I know Charlie Culberson is an emergency catcher, but, like, you don't want to have Charlie Culberson catching – for a, what, for ten days straight, that's not a good idea. So yeah, the, and the Braves have notoriously bad luck with like catcher injuries happening in a condensed period of time. Right. Uh, shout outs to Kurt Suzuki and Tyler Flowers <laughs> getting hurt like within four twenty four hours of each other. Yeah. So so the combination of that reality and just like you said, having bodies to catch bullpens and all that I seven does seem like a lot. But I mean, people seem to be surprised the most by Logan Brown. I know I know very little about Logan Brown, so I'll let you talk about him in a second. But you know, Jonathan Morales. And especially William Contreras, I expected to be on there because um, he's a real prospect. Um, is Logan Brown a guy to keep an eye on? Because I, I candidly know nothing about Logan Brown. He's a guy that we've always found interesting. When he was at Rome, he's uh, Wayne Cavati is our resident uh, D two fan, and you know he was he came out of the University of Southern Indiana, uh, son of former pitcher Kevin Brown. Uh, so he, there's definitely a certain amount of uh, a, a certain amount of lineage in terms of baseball that exists. Uh, really, just a very good, just kind of technical player. He has good baseball IQ. Seems like he can hit pretty well. Do I think he's going to have a whole lot of power? No. Do I think that he's going to be like, you know, this this guy who's going to end up taking over an everyday catcher job? No, I don't think so. But I do think that he's going to be, he is talented enough to potentially make up make the major, major leagues as like a backup catcher, uh, especially if he can continue to hit. Um it, it remains to be seen whether or not that happens. Uh, and, you know, when he's already 23 after his first season of pro ball, it's not like a given that that happens. But he knows how to play behind the plate. He knows how to call games. Uh, the Braves seem to like him. His teammates definitely like him. I, it's, it, He's a guy that I kind of keep an eye on for sure. Uh, and Jonathan not Morales is another guy, you know, that's almost the opposite of Logan in that, you know, J- Jonathan was a little bit late to in terms of becoming a catcher. But he's a guy that has some power, has has, has shown it in spurts and, you know, has gotten better about being able to call games and manage pitching staffs. So these are guys that actually do have talent. Don't get me wrong, but over time as they, in Morales's case, you know, he's the bat hasn't shown out quite as well. And, you know, in Logan's case, he's just getting started and he's, uh, he was a 35th round, a 35th round pick. So there's only so much you can expect from the guy. But again, these are talented guys, but they're guys that are ultimately going to be serving a purpose in this specific environment where you need, you know, some guys catching, uh, and who knows if they show out, I don't think the Braves are going to be upset because, you know, right now they're running out Tyler Flowers and Travis Darno and, you know, kind of stitching together a catching staff. They sure would love to have some guys, you know, really kind of give some competition to the guys like, you know, Langoliers and Contreras. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you have your, your clear, you know, more upper echelon prospect, prospects in Langoliers and Contreras, but having having depth there makes sense, especially if you can receive like Brown. So just wanted to make sure we talked about that because people were, people were kind of surprised to see Logan Brown's name, especially in what, in what I saw on the internets. Um, there are some other, other young guys on the roster I want to get your temperature on. Patrick Weigel, not a huge surprise that he would be there, but Tucker Davidson, Philip Pfeiffer, and uh, I believe it's just Seal De La Cruz. Um, any any surprises or guys to keep an eye on there that could actually have an impact this year? I mean, not not any, not any of the forty men guys for sure. Uh, if you start looking at you know other names that were included, like I, I'm just not. It's hard for me to be excited about some of these like like the Chris Rusins and the you know Tyler Matics of the world that are guys that I just don't know if they're really gonna be worth a ton of the time. They're just insurance excited. arms. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean. Most of these guys are forty man guys. You know what I mean? Like the, the Rays have. I mean, jo, I mean, it's Josh Tomlin wasn't on the forty man roster, even though he was on the team last year. You know, so he's like one of those non forty man arms. And you know, guys like the only other guys that were non forty man inclusions were Kyle Muller, who if he was rule five rule five eligible, he would absolutely be on that on that roster. Oh, yeah. And he was a guy. He was a guy that could very easily have debuted this year anyway. And the trajectory he was on, and, and again, like Chris, the Chris Roostons of the world is more of like a backup arm. So none of these arms are like, but necessarily surprising. Uh, and they're all guys that I think that I'm glad are going to be getting some more development. Because I would, I'd hate to see a guy like Jaciel De La Cruz who kind of has on the fringes of like a top ten prospect in the system and has really good stuff uh, to like have to really take a backseat and maybe not be get the development they need. And, you know, I'm rooting for a guy like Philip Pfeiffer who kind of came out of nowhere last year. And same thing with, you know, he's kind of in that same Jeremy Walker camp is that we weren't really thinking much of him. And then he kind of came out of nowhere and started striking out the world. So um, am I surprised by anybody? No. Uh, I'm curious to kind of see how it all shakes out because, like, this is kind of the ultimate competition. I mean, if you look at the Brave 60-man roster, particularly on the pitching side, like, you won't find a greater level of, like, competition in the league, I don't think. Uh, I'm not There's yeah, it's a lot of arms. I mean, it's it's going to be survival of the fittest. And when you only have a 60-game season, you you better, especially if you're one of those younger guys, if you have a rough starter or two, there's five guys that are going to be, like, they're going to be sitting there Gwinnett waiting to do something. So, well, and um, early on, um, you know, everyone's talked about this, including Mark Bowman today. I saw on Twitter early on, you might see when they have a 30-man roster active, you could certainly see some, like, tandem starts, which might give some guys extra opportunities that are starters. Yep. Um, you could see a lot of creativity in those first couple weeks, um, which could give some, I guess, theoretical advantage to the Braves who have some depth that other teams don't have. But we'll see how they handle it. I have no clue, and we're going to definitely find out as we get closer. But um, we kind of know who's definitely going to be there if they're healthy, unless they just implode in the next few weeks like Felix and Tomlin. But uh, even even going from 30 down to 28 to down to 26 – those are some interesting cuts that the Braves will have to make. And then you get into the actual taxi squad. You know, we, we refer to the taxi squad sort of in passing. We got some clarity on that. It's going to be three players not on the active roster that will be allowed to travel during road trips. They're uh, basically just for insurance or if you get a injury or a COVID outbreak. And uh, one of those guys has to be an extra, an extra catcher um, who also is the bullpen catcher. So that means you're carrying one extra catcher. Probably one extra pitcher, maybe two extra pitchers, depending on how, how they do how they do that um, on the actual three-man taxi squad, and then you have everybody else. That's not what the team will be living in Goury Field, basically. Yeah, and how the how teams rotate those guys, and if they're trying to, you know, gain some certain advantages with their like roster construction and doing like you know a lot of roster moves and things like that. I'm curious as to see 
how this is attempted to be abused because we know that that's going to happen. Um, you mean MLB but, teams might actually like abuse the rules of oh, something uh, that's uh, laid yeah, out? Yeah, just w- I wait until that COVID injury list thing starts happening where like, hey, this guy got exposed. We're not sure we're going to leave him out for three days uh, just so he can get an extra roster, get an extra guy in there. I, It's definitely going to happen. And I'm curious as to what's going to how, how it's going to end up being employed and how often these guys, particularly in Atlanta's case where they have these guys so close to like Truist Park and being able just to be shuttled right over if they really need to, how much shuttling is actually going to happen. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of wild like looking at like 60 names on a page and like these are all guys that are like – it's not like looking at like just a minor league roster. It's looking at like these – Kind of this weird thing where like these guys are kind of sort of in AAA, but not really. But maybe it's a little better than that. Uh, well, one of the other things about the sixty-man player pool is that you know the deadline for trades is going to be August thirty-first, which we talked about last week on the show. But the only players that are eligible to be traded this season are the guys that are on the sixty-man player pool. Now, most of the time, that's who you'd be trading anyway. But um, you can't, you know, if you're going to make a deal and package a bunch of prospects together, they got to be guys that are on your sixty-man player pool. Now, is that limiting? You would probably know more than I would, but I think in, in regular, you know, day-to-day business for a team that might be buying, like the Braves might be buying in the middle of the season, you could see a, a depth prospect that wouldn't be there be thrown into a trade to sort of level the playing field. That, that can't really happen this time around. It's only the guys uh, who are eligible to be traded who are on this player pool, which is a small thing, but also one we should point out. I mean, yeah, and I mean, the Braves have included the guys in the loaner minors in trades recently. Yep. And that, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, so guys like Mackay Backstrom and Michael Harris and, you know, like those, those guys, those guys in the lower minors who could be appealing to some teams as maybe like a lottery ticket ticket or better type, you know, those aren't going to be available to them. Now at the same time, I think that teams avail- interest in high profile trades that are likely to involve more than one prospect and, and their appetites for prospects in general that are like further away this particular year. I think is going to be a little bit lower just because I, I would hope so. Honestly, I can't yeah. imagine the justification. I mean, I, I know if we're in the middle of this thing and the Braves are in the mix and everything's going as well as it possibly can. I'm knocking on wood right now. Maybe there's an, an impetus in the front office to kind of push the chips in a little bit with a prospect laden trade to help the team right now. But at the same time, unless you're getting a player that's under contract for the long term, it is really perilous. Like if you're trading for a rental in 2020, that is really perilous because you could certainly end yep. up trading prospects for a player that you know might play for a week and then they shut the whole thing down. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you know, I'm not sure there's the appetite for rental trades, especially in the way that there would be in a normal season, just because of all the uncertainty. Uh, it's different if you're trading for a guy's under contract, but like the Mookie Betts trade um, that happened in the off season, I, I don't think uh, the Dodgers are probably super thrilled about that. Obviously, if it, if it make it to the end um, and he's playing, um, they'll be okay with it. But if this gets shut down, they've traded major prospect hall for a guy who didn't really help them. It's kind of a tough sell. That, that's obviously a one-off. But especially in the middle of the season, I just can't see justifying real prospect capital for a rental in this environment. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny looking at the 16-man group. I could see a lot of permutations that would make people really mad if the Braves need to pick up a reliever at the trade deadline. Because, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of guys you just don't necessarily really want to get rid of, but you don't really have the option. Because I don't think teams are going to be lining up to trade for Pete Kuzma uh, for, like, a reliever and things like that. So Why, like, not? Why not? He's not very good, Brad. 
That's that's correct. He also he, huh. he's also involved in one of the more famous plays of inline rights history, but we digress. Same, same, yes, there was yeah, that was a rough one. We digress. I was um, there for that. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Anything else that you want to get to? I have a note to talk about Billy Hamilton because it's kind of hilarious. You know, he was on the Braves last year for a few months. Uh, Billy Hamilton is like the perfect example of a player who has a lot more value right now in the league than he would have in a normal season because a he's the fastest man alive. And B, um, there's that whole man on second thing in the minor leagues that's going to be coming in the major leagues in the extra innings. And if you have Billy Hamilton and you could just like pinch run him in the tenth inning, uh, plus have him play defense and have the extra roster spot, um, I wish the Braves had Billy, I wish the Braves had Billy Hamilton this time around. Uh, he'd be a lot more valuable now than he was a year ago. Uh yeah, I I, I think that's right. You know, it's it's definitely a, a position that I prefer Billy Hamilton to be in when he's just on base and he doesn't have to swing his bat. But um, and also you know, play defense. I, I, like, I mean, yeah, he I mean, can that's also, one thing he, he can do as well. He he can absolutely play, play defense. Defense, it's true. I don't think that the Braves are necessarily short on guys that no can play defense pretty well and can run. So but they don't. Not, they don't I, have a. They don't have a full on. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not thinking about somebody right now. But they don't have a full on like specialist stolen base guy on the roster. No, I mean, there, there's definitely guys that are fast enough. But I mean, like, but Pache is kind of famously like really fast, but maybe doesn't have the like the technique and instincts down to be really good. Um, and also are they going to use, are they going to use uh, a super elite prospect in that role? I'm not sure they're going to do that either. I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe it doesn't matter now that he's on the 40 man roster. And if you're going to do weird things, you might as well do it this year. I mean, like there, there's the decisions that are being made this year are going to be all look a little bit wacky. I mean, Drew Waters is another guy that's really fast, but he's not on the 40 man roster, which complicates that whole process. Um, and again, like a guy like Justin Dean, could be theoretically added to the 60 man pool down the line, maybe. Um, I, I just, I'm, I, I'll ask you of these, what, 57 players on, on this list, how many of them do you think will make the make it through this training camp? Like, how like, many are you getting still on the roster? Like, yeah, because right, if they, be- again, if they, if they do drop anybody, they can't, they can't come back. Correct. Um, I don't know. I would probably bet on most of them just because. They left themselves some room if they want to add. Uh, and, you know, could they go – there's some players that are available that are free agents that might be interested in playing. Obviously, Yasiel, Yasiel Puig is the number one most prominent guy. I don't think the Braves are going to sign him. Um, but there are some four major – And there are some Braves fans whose heads would implode if it was Puig. Well, too. I mean, he would he would help them. He's a yep. better baseball player than some guys they have on the team. But um, all that to say, I think that they'll probably have most of these guys by the end just because – they do have flexibility if they want to add another player or two, and there's no penalty for keeping guys around. Um, now, when they have to cut down to 30, it obviously gets really hard because you go from 56, 57, or maybe even higher than that, and cut it basically in half to go to 30. And obviously, there's a bunch of really easy cuts right away, and you know who like 23 of your guys are going to be already, like definitely going to be once they're hurt. But still, there's some flexibility here. But I, I think... It would surprise me if there was like a giant purge on the sixty-man roster because there's just not really a reason to do it. Yeah, I mean, I agree, I agree with that, and th- I think that once you kind of get past those the the names that we currently have on the list, you're getting into younger guys or far more speculative guys, and it maybe doesn't make much sense to include them on your sixty-man pool versus. And there again, there's a few guys that we that are exceptions to that. Like again, both Justin Dean and and, and Trey Harris. Uh, in addition to Grayson Janisa, for that matter, are all like they were all college bats. They're all a little bit older and they performed. So maybe if you feel like you need to have that eighth outfielder in there, 
then you add one of those guys. But you know, beyond that, you're getting into some pretty young guys uh, who haven't had any time to to develop this year at all. So maybe that's the decision that you come down to too is that even though you're not necessarily excited about some of these like you know infielders that you're going to be carrying or not all these pitchers are going to be super high end like you just don't have a better option right now also if you if you do the math and this is you know even if you ignore the pandemic if you do the math on you know a, an accelerated spring training the likelihood of somebody being hurt at some point in the next few weeks is very high um, not like yes. a ton of guys, but if you just, and it doesn't have to be a major thing either. No, it could just be a ha- It could be a hammy injury that it's like knocks you out for two weeks. Like we saw the handles thing in spring training the first time, like that wasn't considered to be this major injury, but it was going to knock him out for a while, especially if you're a pitcher and you're in your, in, in the middle of your ramp up. If you get anything that sidetracks you, you're going to be delayed for quite some time. So, you know, the, the odds are someone on this player pool, whether it be hopefully not a great player, uh, down to a guy who's just more of a fill in, somebody's going to get hurt probably. And, uh, that could be a factor as well because you know if it's a guy at the bottom, you probably have some incentive to just take the guy off, knowing that they're probably not going to come back up anyway this year, and then you can create a you can create a spot if you wanted to. But uh, it's the specifics are very important on that stuff, and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully everybody will be healthy uh, as they ramp up here. Yeah, I agree. Um, we're still waiting on the schedule. By the way, we we have uh, reportedly teams are giving feedback after the original draft went out. Um, there's always We'll see what happens. Uh, the, we do know the opening night on the 23rd is going to be the Yankees and Nationals, reportedly, with Garrett Cole uh, making his debut against the World Series champs, so that'll be interesting. Um, go Yankees, which is weird to say out loud. I don't like the Yankees, but I, Yankees. I, can't, I, can't, I can't do it. I'm, I'm still rooting for the stadium just to be sucked into the earth. Yeah, I, I mean, 0-0 zero, zero tie would be fine. Um, but that's that's going to happen. We don't know the Braves schedule yet. When, when we do know it, we'll talk about it. You know, We know who it, what it's going to be in general. But it's kind of odd to set this up. Um, you know, you're talking about playing ten games against opponents, and like, are you going to do like five game series? Are you going to do a bunch of two game series? You don't want to have you don't want to have a lot of travel, so that's incentive. So I don't I don't envy anybody making the schedule this year. I'll just say that not a lot of fun happening there. Yeah, uh, and I I kind of just just realized and sort of looked down that like in 48 hours, the Braves are going to be in camp. And yep. we're gonna be, and you know, they and they have to have all like they have these have these negative tests, and they you gotta, you gotta have a you gotta have a negative test to enter, and if they don't have a negative test, uh, player the player has to isolate until they have at least two negative tests, twenty four hours apart, and no fever, and two different doctors signing off. So it's a whole process if you test positive, and uh, as we've seen across the league, guys are gonna test positive. We don't know about the Braves, obviously at this point in time, and Anthopoulos said that no one has it right now, but uh, that could change. Your your, your gut feeling. Do the Braves get through this camp without a single positive test? Uh, the math would tell you no on that. I'm not telling you. The math you. would tell you no. I'm not a, it's not my like opinion. I think you know generally you're seeing about a 5% uh, positive rate across these major sports teams as, t- as, as players. Um, you know, WNBA, NBA, um, everybody's you – know, NWSL, people are, are sort of appearing for camps. It's about 5%, and 5% of – 60 is enough to have a positive test. So the numbers say yes. Uh, obviously, you hope not. Um, but I, as a numbers guy, I have to I have to guess yes and hope that I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna be more optimistic and say that they get through camp. But I have a tough time thinking that well, they'll get through the season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean part part of the issue, and I don't want to litigate all of this, but this is not a bubble. Like guys are going to be going home at night and going to be able to do kind of whatever they want when they leave the ballpark. So um, the risk of that is well documented. Like I, I think just being a realist, 
you're going to have not just the Braves, you're going to have teams deal with COVID related issues this season. Even if even if they get the whole even if the whole thing gets done and it's a huge success, um, the smart money is on. There, there'll be some players affected. There'll be some teams that have to do some strategizing, and you hope for the best in terms of health stuff, of course. Um, but just the math tells you that's going to have there, there's going to be some roadblocks along the way. Yeah. Um, by the way, Jeff Passan of ESPN quoted an agent about um, he was worried about prospects that might be on the 60-man roster but not playing because of you know obvious reasons. You're not going to have a lot of your prospects fully playing because those guys are not making any money really, and they'll be just like chilling in apartments packed together and not getting paid, and maybe they'll just be bored and all that stuff. I, I have to say that worried me a little bit too. Not that anybody's going to be stupid, but young guys, young guys especially are sometimes stupid, and they're not making a lot of money, and they're not playing, and that could be... Uh, troublesome I, I wish i hadn't read that from passing but uh it, do, it does it, i found myself nodding along like yeah that makes sense unfortunately well i mean there's a lot of problems too right like oh, it's yeah. not it's 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 clubhouse staff it's you oh, know yeah, like, it's not just players. Yeah, like you know if every single player on your roster does what they're supposed to like you could still get like you know you could still have an outbreak on your team just because i mean even if like you're with a trimmed down staff you know, you have trainers, you have, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's maintenance staff and there's just people that are just going to be in the building and it's, it, a lot of things can go wrong here. Um, and it's why a lot of, like a lot of these governments are kind of really gun shy. I know that like Toronto is like tentatively okay with like the They got to get case. some approvals. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a weird one. Uh, and I think if I was, if I was a Canadian citizen, I would not be thrilled about the border being open to American teams when the border's not open for anybody else right now. But uh, yeah. it looks like it looks, it looks like that's, that's going to happen. They're going to play. I mean, one of the things, like one one statewide order in California might end the whole season, as funny as that is. Or yeah. we, funny is the wrong it word. Could. But there are, five, there are five teams there, and if California says we're shutting this thing down at the governmental level, could those teams move? I guess they could try, but that's five teams in the middle of a season trying to move to different locations. That might be a huge challenge. So, And yeah, you've especially- seen... Especially since the logical places that they would normally be able to move to aren't necessarily places that you want to go move your entire organization to. Well, you're uh, seeing you're yeah. seeing states like, um, I think correctly backpedaling a little bit on reopening stuff. Like Arizona had an announcement today that they're going to scale back a little bit, and you know that's the right decision. Um, they went too fast in the first place, but it's a, uh, you know, in addition, they're, they're beyond the risk of a breakout within baseball there is the governmental factor especially in states that have multiple teams like california is the number one but you know florida's got multiple teams texas has multiple teams if you get one state that has multiple teams in it or even one team in it that says nah you guys can't play anymore the schedule gets blown up and you have to try to move those teams and i I do think that if it was georgia for instance they would try to move the braves it's only one team out of 30 but if it's california man good luck trying to move five teams I was thinking about this, and we were talking about it in the minor league chat a little bit too. You and I have both going on record that if the season were to not happen, even during the labor negotiations, the biggest reason it wouldn't happen isn't because of the labor stuff. It was going to be because of COVID-19, right? Yep. My question to you is that would it be enough for like a big player? We'll talk about like a Mike Trout or like one of those top 10, you know, most popular slash – best players in the league for them to get sick to really put the, the season in jeopardy or we have to see like an entire like a, a roster being threatened i think where... you would i think you would need more than just a player or two especially if they're on different teams i know it would not be great pr if mike trout had coronavirus and couldn't play but um in baseball the star power is not at the level of like 
that's the one that's the huge question about the NBA is like they're in the playoffs and if, if LeBron James gets COVID nineteen and can't play, that basically just ends the season for the Lakers. Like they they're just going to lose. Yeah. Even, even if they, even if they continue, they're going to lose. Whereas in baseball, Mike Trout is incredible. He's you know the best player in the league, but the Angels could win games without him. To be as to be as cruel as as crude as possible about just baseball stuff, they could still win without him. And if they could isolate him, they would keep going. I think. But yeah, I think you're going to need multiple like, like breakout yeah, issues or government yeah. issues or something else. It won't it, yeah, will, it will not shut down in my opinion. This is a guess. But if like Mike Trout or pick pick another guy, Buster Posey, somebody if somebody like that's like a really really remarkable <laughs> name, Buster Posey. That was, that well, it made me laugh. I, I don't know why I don't know why I said that, but I, I remember I looked at the uh, the Giants sixty man player pool today, and Buster Posey is the only catcher on the forty man for the Giants. How is that possible? I mean, look, How? they they drafted they drafted Joey Bart. He's just not forty man eligible yet. I mean, and, he's he's on the sixty man player pool, but like it made me laugh. I was like, I don't even know why I clicked on the link. I was like, why? You know, let's look at the Giants roster. I was like, wait, they have one catcher, and it's Buster Posey who's like prone to injury recently. Like that's the one guy you have. Anyway, yeah. um, I suspect that that will not stick for very long, especially given no, my issue. But I mean, do you, do you disagree yes. with me about this? No, like, do you, do you no. think they would shut down for uh, a player or two, even if they were famous? I, I don't think so. I think, how do I put it? We've already seen several teams like the Phillies, the Rockies that have lost several players. You know what I mean? That they have already tested, have had multiple tests. Yeah. I think we should be positive. clear. We're talking about, at least I'm talking about like within the season, like once yeah, games yeah, are happening. Yeah. I think that the threshold may be a little, even if they're in the season, I still think the threshold is a little higher in terms of the numbers that we have seen that have happened so far. Like the, the Phillies are the best example because they had like seven positive tests, I think. Um, I just don't I th- think that they can start this thing. Honestly, this is what it comes down to for me. I don't think that they can afford to start this thing if they're, if they're planning, if, if the plan is to shut it down, if like one or two stars get it. That, because the likelihood of that is like fairly significant. You can't start this thing if you're not, and that, that's again, it's a very crude, sports only like non health viewpoint that I'm I'm expressing right now. But I, I don't think that baseball is going to start up and spend all of this capital starting up financially. All that's all if the it's going to be that fragile to be that fragile. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you were going to need, and maybe if maybe it's just one team. Like if one team gets ravaged, that might do it. But if it's just a player or two, even if they're Mike Trout and whoever else, Mookie Betts, they would just play on. I think I could be wrong. But I just, it just feels crazy to me that they would even try to start this out if they thought that they were shut down for one or two positives. No, I agree with that. Because I mean, especially in baseball, like this is not a bubble. Guys are going to get it. I mean, it's un, it's unfortunate, and I, I I'm conflicted about talking about it at all because we're talking about baseball in this time because you know this is not important in the grand scheme of life. But again, the math will tell you that this is not a bubble. Like these guys are going to be going home and dealing with restaurants, and like they're going to get it. Like, guys are going to get it. They're going to get it. It's just. The math tells you that players are going to get coronavirus during this time. It's unfortunate. Yep. I mean, you know, hopefully that the testing protocols that are in place and like what measures that are being taken in place by, you know, training staffs and just organizations yeah. with sanitation that we know I think that you worry, you some, worry a lot more. At least I, do. I worry a lot more about the non ballpark stuff than I do the ballpark stuff. I worry about guys on the road, staying at hotels, going to restaurants, or guys going home from the park if they're in their home city a lot more than I do at the park itself. Yeah. Because they're going to be strict at the park, obviously. They have this, you know, this 100-page manual, and that makes all the sense in the world, but that ends when guys leave the park. 
I mean, they're not doing surveillance on these guys when they leave the park. It's just, and I think if you read about the positives that have happened so far, a lot of it has been like tracked back to like going to a restaurant during training. That's what's going to happen during the season. Guys are going to go out. I'm not saying they're going to be irresponsible, but even if you go out and do everything right and go to a restaurant and eat or something, you could still get it. It's not like you're, um, you know, immune or whatever. So we'll see. I don't want to end on, I don't want to end on a super low note, but I do think that it's important to like, just be honest about it. And I think it's very, very, very likely that more than one player gets coronavirus during the season. That's just the reality. Yeah, that could happen, but I think we're also in agreement that that's just because there are going to be positive tests. I mean, like Hunter Bishop for the Giants, all right, just just tested positive today, right? Yep. So, like, but that, I think we're in agreement that's not going to end the season. Yep. And in forty-eight hours from now, so when people are listening to this, you know, we'll call it twenty-four hours. You know, there's going to be baseball, like there's going to be baseball things happening. Baseball activities are going to be happening, and that's something to be excited about. Okay, last thing, and I'm springing this on you. I'm not sure if you even saw this, but it hit in the last hour, um, and I think it's more relevant to you than me. Um, JJ, JJ Cooper, a good friend of the program, Baseball America, is reporting that baseball has informed minor league teams that the minor league players are allowed to play independent ball this summer. Do you have a response to that? Because that literally just happened as we're recording, you know, in the eight o'clock hour Eastern on Monday. Um, and JJ is uh, a trusted source, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and believe him that that's gonna happen. Um, do you have any thoughts on that minor league guy that you are? So my initial thought is that the only players that could theoretically that that could theoretically impact are those that have their contract suspended because if you're talking about independent leagues, like there's no team control over that whatsoever. Right. You know what I mean? So, and we, and by the way, I have no details. That literally just came through Twitter 20 minutes ago, so I'm being unfair to Eric, but that was a big... No, no, no. I can logic this. So I think that the Braves might have some players who are going to be lower-level prospects who may end up going to play indie ball this summer in order to make a little bit of extra money. I don't think it would be a very good idea. <laughs> um, because, but of health, they will. because of health, they, you mean? Yeah, because of health. I don't think it will be a good idea. Um, but I think in terms of like major prospects, I find it unlikely. Just, I think the Braves, if the, if there, if there are guys like, you know, like, well, Mike Lairs is a good example as a younger prospect. I think it's highly unlikely that they let him go play independent ball in like the Atlantic league where, you know, like the facilities are going to be suspect even under the best of circumstances. I, I just don't think it's likely that we're going to see like one of those types of pro- like highly prized guys go and play independent ball like that just because the the Braves want to have some control over their development and their health and their training and their, you know, all that other stuff. So, I mean, do I think that the Braves could end up having some guys that say, Hey, will you let me go play independent ball so I can, you know, be making some money while you're, while we're sitting around doing nothing. I think the answer to that question is yes. Um, A lot of the questions of what players would be playing in that sort of situation is going to be determined largely by what decisions teams make, on a month-to-month basis, as to whether or not they're going to pay their minor leaguers or not. Yeah, which is a whole other ball of wax that we'll discuss yeah. at a later date. But yeah, that's interesting. I thought that news was noteworthy when it came across my uh, Twitter timeline here as we're talking. Um, yeah, we'll see what the fallout is, and if there's anything uh, Braves-related, uh, we, we will cover it at TalkingShop.com. Um, okay. Well, Eric, we, we've done plenty, I think, on the podcast. If you have any final thoughts, please share them. And if not, uh, plug anything you got going on, because uh, we are in the midst of the ramp-up of the season. Yeah, and since we're ramping up, uh, I think the general plan, what we're going to be doing 
to start on the minor league side, um, it doesn't look like there's going to be any coverage of like the taxi squad shenanigans. Uh, we're looking into it, and if they will let me watch the practices of the taxi squad up there at Gwinnett, uh, I will try to be there on a semi-regular basis, and I don't know. I'm not sure what kind of recap I could do of that. Uh, <laughs> I, have but fr- I, I have a friend that lives in the apartments right there, and uh, there you I, go. Could, I could probably bribe him to like go stand on somebody's balcony. Just put a GoPro and zoom in. That's all I'm asked. That's all I'd ask to do. Um, but barring that in terms of regular content on the minor league side, uh, what we are currently, we're going to be sitting down, the whole staff and I are going to be talking a little bit about what we're going to be doing regular content wise. I know for sure. One thing we're going to do is going to be right, doing short write-ups on all the guys that are like prospect E type names on the 60 man roster. Uh, that'll be guys that were not on the 40 man roster. And there's also gonna be some guys who are, uh, but whoever either haven't made their debuts or we, that you can consider them still prospects. We're not going to, this isn't going to be something where like we like hard and fast prospect eligibility or exhausted rookie eligibility and stuff like that. You know, just going to be a little bit more fluid than that. So we're going to do a little short write-ups on those guys to kind of give everyone some, a reference point. It's like, hey, who's that guy? Uh, we're going to be trying to work through that list. Uh, that's going to be probably starting next week, I would imagine. Um, and we're going to be doing some other things on the minor league side. Again, it's, a lot of this we're going to work through and talk through now that we kind of understand the situation in front of us. Um, if there are Braves players that end up playing independent ball, do not anticipate minor league recaps of the Atlantic League. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Um, but, you know, other than that, we're just going to kind of play it by ear and, you know, try to keep generating content for you guys. Um, whether that And we're hopefully once the big league season starts, you know, at least we'll have some more to talk about. Yep, and uh, obviously follow everything we got going on at the site. Uh, follow Eric if you want to follow me for some basketball stuff and occasional baseball stuff on Twitter. You can do that, but uh, always fun to be on the show with you, my friend. We will keep chugging out content. We will probably do some you know, good old-fashioned like positional previews again. I know we did them a little bit in March, but a, a refresher wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, and we'll ramp up and talk about preview stuff. You know, Zips has projections out. We'll discuss those in the future. There's betting lines that are out there, which is my forte. Um, talking about over-unders and things that the Braves can yes. do if you, want, if, you, if you want to financially invest in the Braves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, various degeneracy, yes. Very, various degeneracy. We'll, uh, we'll be here uh, at least at least once a week until the ramp up, maybe even more than that. We'll see how uh, how much time we have to fire off podcasts. We are now back in full, and uh, if there's not a podcast within a week, it's because something went wrong for someone. So there you go. Stay tuned. Please subscribe to the podcast. Follow Eric. We'll see everybody next time. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.